1: It is Friday once again And time to close out Another Summer of 93 at 30 week With a music video It's a Summer of 93 at 30 Joining me again This week Back to back It's David Banks
2: Hello Brandon Hello everybody Thanks for having me on I really appreciate
1: it So to start out at the end of last Friday, we said, well, David, I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. And David's returned. I'm here. And I'll, I will address that. The Summer of 93 at 30 series is largely recorded much ahead of time. And that so things have happened already with a lot of things. The main show of it only has a couple weeks le- of the episodes left to record, for the, the end of August, but these music video episodes are still a little bit ongoing, and there was a plan and a schedule and people, and one of those people that was supposed to be here for this episode was recurring guest of the show, Mike Vanderbilt, and the episode had been recorded for that one, and I'm going to, you know, I, I've, ma- I've made a statement on Social media and stuff, but I'll I'll dress here, so I'm a, a little bit better, a little more than a, a minimal characters thing here on my podcast. But um, Monday last week, I was perusing Twitter, and I came across a tweet from Mike's podcast, The Halloweenies, and they were looked like they were cutting ties with him, and I was like, well, that's that's interesting, that's strange. But I also noticed he didn't have a Twitter account anymore as well. So I was like, well, this is really, really weird. And through a little bit of a search, I landed on a Facebook page of a confessional from a woman. And I won't go into any graphic detail, but there were some very serious allegations put against Mike Vanderbilt. And then... There were more allegations against Mike Vanderbilt. He has not been convicted of anything. There's no court case or anything going on at this time. no charges, but there are now many allegations on him, and I look you know I looked it over, and i I'm in the belief that there is truth in here, and you never know fully with people, especially in this world of podcasting, where I, am, I have guests that I have only known via podcast. I've never met in person. There's plenty of them. I feel I have had good relations with them, and I want to think the best of the people I've had on. But at the end of the day, we know each other through recording, and you know, you, I don't know them outside of stopping the recording of the call. And the allegations I read truly disturbed me and upset me. And I didn't feel, I felt awful. I, I like to promote a show here with positive people, with a, a, a nice positive slant on film and entertainment. And I know you, the listeners, tend to like that too. And I try to bring in people that can and bring that. And Mike came to me during the beginning of. Recording this show, he was recommended by a colleague, and he came on, and I, I enjoyed recording with him. I had him back multiple times, including the summer of 82 at 40 last summer. Mike always showed up very prepared, was a bit of a showman, very off-mic, off, off mic. had some good conversations with him. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of people talking about him on Twitter and stuff that you know probably only know his Twitter persona. Which, uh, fine. I'm someone who, like, I knew him through recording. And he showed up. He did more than he was asked. He was always fun to record. He never was offensive on here or said anything bad. But that's that's what I, I know of him through recording. Is he capable of what? Yeah, of course. Because I oh I knew him through recording. And I, I will believe the victims of what has happened. And so I made the decision along with producer Brad Shoemaker, going over this. We took it very seriously to scrap the episodes recorded with Mike and to move forward, and I was going to re-record with a different guest. And uh, Mike will no longer appear on this show. Uh, for the time being, his episodes that he's done in the past will remain. I like to think that those are archival. They're a part of the show's history, a bit of podcast history. And if there's anything left in there that could maybe help somebody in terms of information that may have been said, I'm going to leave it there to be analyzed. So I don't want to say, I'm not going to take it down at this time. It'll remain. But I, I want to say, like, I know a lot of people, the statements that said like they were cutting ties with him were mad that something wasn't said about standing by the victims and stuff. I, I feel like that should have been insinuated in a statement like that. But I'm here to say, like I do stand, I, I'm willing to listen here and don't be afraid to come say what you have to say. You're apparently not alone. But that's my statement here. I'm not going to advertise this episode as that. I don't want attention for it. I just want my listeners who may have read or seen something about it and wondering what's Brandon thinking? Uh, or I listened to a show that he's been on a couple times. What's up with that? Here you are. It's within this episode. I hope you are listening. Um, but that's for you. I don't need to show about it. I think you should, fi- you know, look for the victims. Nobody needs to be trying to make anything off this. Just see what's happening. Keep up to date and stand with the victims. So. With further ado, my replacement recording is Mr. David Banks. Nobody else I could think of because when we were recording last time, he mentioned both things that the previous person would have been on. And I'm like, well, David's got his shot now. So I'm more than happy to have David back here. Uh, But first, David, we're going to talk about the movies from Monday on the show. Um Sliver, you ever seen that one?
2: Long time ago, I did. This was uh, was Sharon Stone, right? Yep. Yes, yes. This was right off of Basic Instinct. Yes. Yep. And and um, as a, I'm, uh, if I can be totally honest with you, I did watch Basic Instinct. I shouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> and um, and uh, if this was coming right off the heels of Basic Instinct, I wanted more Sharon Stone. Yep. Naked. So yep. <laughs> that's pretty much I'm just going back to that era. I'm just going back to what I was thinking as a
1: Right. As oh a, no, no. That or, you were a teen boy. Kid. Yeah, teen yes, yes. young young kid that's like, Oh, that's the girl that gets naked in movies. Yes,
2: exactly. Which is you know, the same reason why I watched the Nightmare on Elm Streets and Friday the Thirteen <laughs> movies. I I I didn't care, you know, but yeah, I remember that movie very well. I
1: Coming do. up on Cinemax, Sliver. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Followed right behind Red Shoes Diaries.
1: Man. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, so uh, also, we did Hot Shots Part do or
2: II. I re- I remember that too. Yeah.
1: I never I never seen that one. I've seen
2: the first one. Mm. I didn't even I didn't go see the second one.
1: No. Oh, okay. Crazy. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. What about Carnosaur? Did you see that one? I did not. Okay. Trash. Um, and uh, okay. All
2: right. So I'm like, not missing anything. Good.
1: How about like Water for Chocolate? It's a little international film.
2: No, I didn't see that one yep.
1: either. All right. All right. All right. But you did see lots of back then. Nothing but a G thing, which ah. was the sensation that kicked off the three times platinum album, The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Um, this uh, this album peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot... Or the song peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the rap and R&B charts. Uh, the album's legacy has got to be like... This one's got to be one of the tops of all time. Um, not just like... Of hip hop, but like the '90s decade, just with like ease, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. and I think though, as, as funny, I go back and read like old like reviews of the time, and I'm like, I don't think it's an album critics at the time were ready for, or probably thought would be one of the most popular or important of the decade when it came out. So no, they didn't. My, they uh, didn't know. Yeah, they
2: had no idea what was coming. They didn't. They didn't. Mm-hmm. And speaking from from my experience Mm -hmm. back in the inner city you know uh, the 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 black community the chronic album yeah it was our it was our sergeant pepper's lonely band man and it was it was it was something that affected the culture it was something that 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 hit our hearts it was legendary that's what it was it was it was Mm -hmm. legendary and you know, from people when it reached the suburban neighborhood, then we then it was really out of this world. It was sensational. Mm-hmm. It was sensational. I actually remember buying the, the CD, and, and I know we talked about you know, uh, you know, last time where the CDs came in the big long, long yeah, box yeah, yeah. and everything. That was that's where the chronic came in. Oh, okay. And, and I will never forget that I, I played that from for hours, just constant rotation. Yeah, I love
1: it. Um, the this particular song selected by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll, so not just hip hop, I guess, but uh,
2: yeah. I, I, it's a fine, I guess there's a fine line between rock and roll and, and yeah hip hop R and B and whatever. I'm
1: it's like that. the rock and roll Hall of Fame. It's like, do you guys just want to be the music Hall of Fame? Like
2: that's a debate going on. Yeah, you like, know, I think I think Dolly Parton had a issue with that too, yeah. right? Recently,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say something like Dr. Dre, because you know, for as big a name, he has not many albums, but I feel mm-hmm. like he approaches. And you can correct me anytime you want, David. Um, but, like, I got this vibe from him, like, because he's not, if he has an ego, it's not in performance um, because he shares with so many other rappers and, and because, um, like, he lets Snoop lead off his, like, big song to kick off, but yeah. I feel like he's more, like, a film director when it comes to making his albums like he assembles a cast he's interested in being behind the scenes he might come in with his he comes in with his little cameo or something or like he's he's directing something he's like a leading actor in uh but he's like gives people their time to shine he's really into structuring it putting it together making a um you know track to track feel like a good flow um, putting together neat stuff with the songs, like I, I feel like he works more like a director like that than he does like uh, a music artist in that sort of sense. Yeah,
2: Dr. Dre is a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has worked with him always says that he's a perfectionist, and he's never professed himself as being a lyricist. He's more comfortable behind you know in the booth, you know, mm-hmm. making or creating. That's how you. That's how you always always was he he's not a writer yeah he's he he's a beat maker he like you said he he just gathers the cast and just puts them in the right place right his family tree if you look at his family tree it is full of stars mm-hmm. you know dating back to nwa E.Z.E. ice cube mc Ren, dj yellow Then you got Snoop Dogg, Corrupt, Daz, Nate Dogg, Warren G, RBX, Lady of Rage. Fast forward, he's worked with Nas, he's worked with Jay-Z, he's worked with, then he discovered Eminem. Mm -hmm. He's worked with Mary J. Blige. Whoever he has worked with, they are stars and they have all had hits and continue to have hits. Yeah. He is. He's, he he is the Quincy Jones of the hip hop community.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and he like like thinking of like Eminem, Eminem just like larger than life. Like he it launched that guy with like ease. It was just like psh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was like his second wave. Like you know, because in the nineties, you know, he had brought like because he was really behind Snoop there. Mm-hmm. Um, really kicked that guy. like his sneak preview to the doggy style is right here. In this in this yeah. album, um, it's almost like a commercial selling point there, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I um, I feel like too, like when you get to the video part of this, like it's almost um, previewing uh, Snoop's kickoff single too, because he goes to the house and you see the parents and like lays yeah, around yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, and it kind of it kind of like yeah, what's my name? Yeah, while a lot of people watching it or whatever, like got like i don't know like just this rebellious vibe in it but you kind of get this like almost sympathy for what they're living through with their deadbeat parents things like that trying to you know i don't know they got a chip on their shoulder but like you know in this story of this they're successful but the parents don't give a shit like how's that album right you know whatever
2: that's how, you know, it usually, you know, is with the kid mm-hmm. with the dream. Then the parents is like, oh, God, dreams. I'm tired of hearing about this. Yeah. You know, and then, and then the kid is so passionate about it. But the parents is like, you know. Dreams don't bring in money, you know, right. stuff like that. Dreams, you know, it's just it, it's just the kid's dreams and they want to be successful. And you know, I wanted to play in the NBA. You know, I had yeah. a little pipe dream. Yeah, and everything. So that that's all it was. And I'm the same, you know. Be me being a father, I'm I'm probably the same way. Every every parent is like that, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to, when you have kids to be like you hear them say that. You're like ah,
3: you know. Yeah, yeah. You're well, like you, okay, yeah, 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 yeah sure, good, well, sure, yeah, yeah well, whatever. Yeah.
1: They'll figure it out on their own. That's the thing. You you don't need to stomp it now. They'll, they'll exactly. figure it out. Um Interesting you know, little fact to it about this one. Um, in uh, 1998, the uh, CBS reported that Senator Sam Brownback, a Republican from Kansas, who sought hearings in the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee, said he was concerned the music industry is marketing its most violent misogynistic uh, tendencies to teens. And the report added, while industry executives assert that children are protected from the music, more, uh, much evidence... Suggest that m- the most hyper-violent albums are bought by children. Advisory labels were the outcome of the hearing. So this one was thrown in there with like that two live crew stuff because mm-hmm. right that was the one they were yeah. really after. Was two live crew, um, yeah. and then and then NWA came out, scared the hell out of like <laughs> yeah old white haired guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, let's not
2: let's not forget, you know let's not forget when Ice T came up with uh, mm-hmm. Cop Killer and with Body Count. Mm-hmm. You know that scared the hell out of people, and you know I've always have that image of of uh, of them throwing the CDs on the on the ground, you know, hip hop CDs on the ground, and just running over with the with with the, some sort of machine, just breaking them all and everything. Yeah. I, I I never get that out of my head, but the the nineties in 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 especially this era was a very rebellious. Mm-hmm. type of era very similar to let's say what the 70s were yeah with, with the woodstock era very rebellious and as a kid i soaked it all in yeah i didn't care i soaked it all in because it, it was speaking to me it was mm-hmm. speaking to me and my friends and we could relate to everything especially off this album we could relate to everything that they were talking about
1: yeah, between this this seen it. this this form of hip hop and then like grunge was mm-hmm. like truly just like spinning things around and uh, yeah yeah uh, d- definitely two forms of rebelliousness coming through yeah for sure um, but yeah this uh, video here uh, I believe let's see um, I don't think there's no director attached to it. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dre just kind of put it together himself.
2: Well, well, I, I know Dre did um, Snoop's "Gin um, and Juice." Mm-hmm. He directed that one.
1: Similar video to um, this,
2: <laughs> just yeah, part. yeah, very similar, really. Yeah,
1: like at, at the beginning. I mean, it's not until like the Fugees and like you know Diddy and Biggie towards the mid to late part of the decade do the hip hop videos start pumping money and right, right. there are a lot of hangout videos
2: right all the g thing is man, it's a simple video it's just talking about a day in compton yep that's all it, it's a, just a regular day in compton mm-hmm. and it's very smooth and you know going to going to pick up snoop going to a barbecue then going to a house party rolling down the street you know 10 deep and low riders.
1: It's so a much more epic day than Diddy from Paperboy. <laughs> <That's>...
2: <laughs> Very so, yeah. yeah.
1: All the people that didn't yeah. get invited to this party are over at Paperboy no. Diddy. Like, oh well. What do you think Dre's doing? I don't know, man. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> you know,
2: you you know what many people forget: this wasn't Snoop's debut. Snoop and Dre had a song off a of deep cover, right? Yep, off a deep cover soundtrack, one eight seven. You know, mm-hmm. and um, that was really Snoop's debut. Uh, a little factoid about G thing: um, Snoop was in jail when he recorded the demo. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was in jail for something I forget, and Dre really wanted the demo done, so he Snoop called in. And he Snoop already had the lyrics written out. Mm-hmm. Dre put the phone up to the mic and then it was over a different beat. And and then that's when Snoop just came out with one, two, three, and to the four and wrapped the whole song. Dre recorded it, and then one day he was fumbling around in his um mom's house, you know, looking through old records as Jay as Dre does, and he found, oh, I forget the, the singer song from the 70s. Uh forgive me. But he found the beat as we know the day for G thing. Yeah, and he said that that would be a nice uh, baseline for it, and when S- Toad Snoop to come in and recorded it, and Snoop wrote Drake's lyrics too. You know, because like I said, Drake's not a writer; not he's not a lyricist. Mm-hmm. And with the help of the DOC, they formulated G thing. Gotcha. That's pretty much how the Chronic was. The Chronic was just formulated in Dre's house. Drake had no furniture at all; just a keyboard. <laughs> And the sound machine. And that's how the chronic pain came, came to be. Gotcha. Very quick fact
1: <laughs> Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's funny because, like, uh, this leads in next week on the uh, the program, uh, we're talking about uh, Menace to Society, which you were mentioning, Deep Cover, which there was a whole slew of films at mm-hmm. the time uh, dealing with, you know, projects, hoods, stuff like that with – you Know boys in the hood and Menace to society, yeah. deep cover. Um, lots of good stuff uh coming there. Uh, this video, too, like uh, one of the things uh, feature you know, blurred out stuff like logos and all sorts of like yeah. things. Blurred yeah. out, we don't want to be associated, we don't sponsor this, like
3: yeah, uh, yeah, hats yeah. and
1: stuff. Uh, I believe yeah. that the, the white socks on Dre's hat is now clear, they're like cool with it. Like, but it, I remember originally yeah. it was blurred out. Uh, when it aired on MTV, like all the sports teams, everything like that, um, they would, uh, yeah,
2: it was especially, um, Snoop's uh chronicle leaf on, the, on his ad, of course, mm-hmm. that was blurred, out. It wasn't blurred it, out before,
1: and the joints and stuff in there are blurred and out, the, the joint,
2: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we got with Warren G rolling up the joint at the, yep. at the park, yeah, yep. and and yeah, of course, we got the infamous scene with the volleyball game, uh, oh, yeah, with the
1: Mercedes Ashley, who's a porn star, yes. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was in there, which is which was you know brought back up not too long ago because of the controversy and with the Me Too movement and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. Of course, that was blurred out and
1: everything. Uh, But
2: I mean, go ahead. No,
1: yeah, yeah. Go for
2: it. No, I, I was just saying. But as a kid, um, I I fell in love with west coast hip-hop with this video Mm -hmm. and with 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 the history of hip-hop to give context to this on how we got here everybody knows that it pretty much originated in new york you know with sugar hill gang and grandmaster flash and the furious five you know later on with def jam records L O cool j probably most popular hip-hop uh, what it, it came to the what it boosted it into mainstream was Aerosmith and Run DMC. Walk this way, yeah. Then you had Curtis Blow, you know, later on Public Enemy, Salt and Pepper, you know, Shantae Roxanne. All of that was New York based. Over on the other side, on the West Coast, you had this sort of rumbling and and it started off as kind of like a techno electric kind of dance music.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But with 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 acts like Too Short and Ice T, Ice T came out with Six in the Morning back in eighty five
1: five ish around, so, the, the, uh, around the around the break in time, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they came out and it just it opened a lot of eyes in the West Coast. But the West Coast was dealing with especially L A. You know, with the the crack cocaine era. Mm-hmm. The the L.A. Ganger, the Bloods and Crips and the the LAPD just hitting on everybody, you know, and you had these young kids from L.A. and Compton and South Central, spearheaded by Dr. Dre and Eric Young, a.k.a. EVE, uh, who knew, everybody knew Ice Cube and everybody knew MC Ren, everybody knew DJ Yellow. They got together and... Just wanted to be heard. And their first single was Easy E's Boys in the Hood, which led the way to Ruthless Records, which led the way to NWA Straight Out of Compton, mm-hmm. which was produced, of course, by Dr. Dre. Yep. That, that was a game changer in itself because everybody. Everybody, let's say on the on the other side of the country, kind of heard about what was going on in LA, but kind of pushed it to the side. And was like, eh, you know, new stuff, whatever. But when NWA was talking about it, you know, like first verse Ice Cube came out, say like, straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube, mm-hmm, blew yeah. the mind, blew yeah, the mind. His,
1: his flow yeah, on yeah, that he, was amazing.
2: <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Nobody has ever heard rap music like this before. And then you fast forward, and then, of course, with the turmoil and everything with N.W.A., when Cube left over Money Reason, and then N.W.A. recorded just one more album after that, and then that's where The Bottom fell out, and Dre left and hooked up with uh, uh, Marion Suge Knight. And there you come with Death Row. Still got him out of the ruthless records contract. Mm-hmm. Drake just wanted to produce. Well, he uh, Warren G was his uh, half brother. Warren G was in the group with Nate Dogg and Snoop Two One Three. Mm-hmm. Introduced him to Snoop. He heard Snoop rhyme. say, "I got to get this guy in the studio." And there you were, and there you have the creation of the Chronic, the introduction of Snoop Dogg. That's how we got here. And they never looked back. Ever since, it was magic. And Dev Row for a time, was the biggest selling record label out there. I mean, nothing could nothing could top it. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. I mean, they fell. They fell because of their own greed and and, and vanity. But right for a time, for for the next for the late, like the first five years, five or six years, it was, it was death row records. And that was it. Yeah. And, and when we all, and we all dated back to this album, the chronic to this video, nothing but a G thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, with a fridge full of forties.
2: I love that. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That, that, that makes me want to have, not, not a 40, but, um, uh, old My English. Throwback.
1: Throw it back. I used old to, I would have English, old English you know? back in the Mad day.
2: Dog 2020. What up? You know, I'm all, I'm all good. I like, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, love it. And, and you got a little cameo by the DOC in the background, mm-hmm. you know, and um, had the whole dog found there. It was fun. Yeah. It was a fun video. Man.
1: Well, and I love they I got the, it. They got the little, the woman there that's like, goes, but she's like, dressed up and too good for the party and she has the moment where she touches the stair rail and it's like oh yeah. sticky <laughs> and then and then she winds up getting like sprayed by 40s which I'm like man is a waste all, of those we, 40s but okay
2: we all knew somebody like that we yeah. all knew somebody like that it, it, it this was a fun video and mm-hmm. i can i i taken me back to that uh, to that year i've I just had so much fun. I wanted to be in death row. I, not knowing what was really going on in death row, I wanted to be yeah. part of that. You,
1: you wanted know? it without all the like violence that might have. Yeah, been yeah,
2: by yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't want to get my ass whooped or nothing. But I, yeah. I you know, I just, you know, I, I just wanted to hang out. You know. Yeah. I just wanted to have fun. And this was the era of of the MTV. You know where yep. I know we talked about it. You know, on, the, on our other show, but th- this was MTV at its apex.
1: No, this one, this this, they- this song got plays for years. Like it wasn't oh, just yeah. like it wasn't just like a summer thing or when it was out thing. No. This one constantly came back.
2: Like it was on constant rotation,
1: mm-hmm.
2: constant rotation. Not and it wasn't just only on your MTV Raps. Yeah, it was on. It was on their regular rotation outside of the, the yep. singular shows, and. Yep. And everybody, everybody loved it from different music genres. Everybody was talking about Snoop and Drake. mm-hmm And when it crossed the and when it crossed the streams, you got a hit. Yeah, you have a hit, and that's what this was.
1: Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was. It just. It defines like a whole era. It launches everything. It's yeah, an iconic moment, both music video, and record uh for the decade for sure no it's chronic is something special uh and then the the fact that the motherfucker held off didn't do another record till like the end or beginning of the next decade and it was amazing again is
2: another classic unbelievable
1: and in in its own way like it's a different feel like it's it's insane and i i spun that sucker like a madman for (laughs) I was like, "Holy crap!" Me too. I was like, "There's Me no too. way. We... There's no way he's gonna do this again. There's no way." And fuck, he did it. Hey,
2: another classic, man. Like I said, Drake takes his time, and he, I think he says himself, he's got a plethora of recordings mm-hmm. that you know, on his on, in his vault. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting on the Detox album. Right. You know, we've been waiting on that for like twenty years. Yeah, so. And Whatever, when it's, gonna, it's gonna, gonna blow out. your
1: mind when it comes out. You're like, ah, oh, this motherfucker. Oh
2: god, just wait, just wait. Yeah. I can, you know, after that Super Bowl performance a couple of years ago.
1: Yep. My yep. god, that was
2: my god.
1: That was like, unless you're like a bigoted racist, like there was one of the least complained about Super Bowl performances I've I've ever seen. Like, I because like, me- normally, normally you can predict after a Super Bowl halftime show, it's like, okay, people thought it sucked whatever blah 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 when most of them are fine like when you break it down like you're you're giving like the world not your fans you got to go to the world you're giving just like this little brief window of taste of like here's what i got i'm gonna try to showboat it a bit and then everybody hates you afterwards like uh, the only ones like prince and dr dre are the only ones i think Went okay without complaint. I thought the Jennifer Lopez Shapiro one went pretty good, but then there were the oh my stars, I've never seen a yeah. woman shake herself before. Right. Whatever. Right. But that one right. was like most, mostly all praise. Like,
2: I will tell you, this is what happened when, like, my daughter was 14 at the time, mm-hmm. and her oldest sister. They was all over. You know, they didn't care about the game. They didn't even watch the game. But when the halftime show came up, they were all in the living room, huddled around the TV, bouncing. I mean, literally bouncing to the music, you know, because they have all heard that those songs. They are classics. Yep, they are classic.
1: Where were you when Fifty Cent showed up upside down at the Super Bowl halftime show? <laughs>
2: <laughs> In his tight shirt, trying to pull it down where so he wants to. Yeah, yeah. I guess.
1: I guess. Should we say Indianapolis's new resident Fifty Cent? Or so? Like oh, that's right. He was here, wasn't he? He's here now. Like he does. He's doing business. Like he has a uh, bit licensing deal with the Fieldhouse right now, and he's here all the time. So I'm sure he has. Man. He lives somewhere. I'm sure he's got. A place to stay here, like, but that's hilarious. Yeah,
2: probably. Yeah, that that's one guy that you can't complain about. You know, he he he's he's been a hit me you know, musician, and now he's doing TV and other things. That, he's yeah. a bona fide Renaissance man. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't you can't complain about Fifty Cent. He did and go then, broke
1: a few years ago, but he seems to be doing fine now. He's got a production company. Oh, he's got his his liquor. Um. Because he doesn't just have, like, uh, liquor. He's got, like, a line of stuff, so he can, like, supply your, like, bar or whatever, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. But they, they'll be very successful TV shows mm-hmm. and yeah, everything else. Is it, and then Isn't
1: that Power? Is that him? Is that one of them that's on yeah, Star? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, one
2: yep. of them. Yeah. Yep. BMF, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ghost, Power Book 2. Yeah, man, Damn. he's he's, Damn. he's making moves. Yeah. And then and then you rewind it back to Snoop. Everybody loves Snoop.
1: Yeah, Snoop went from and, guy on um like literally death row and, <laughs> like yeah. on trial. And uh yeah, murder was the case that they gave him, and then now he's like household name, kids love him, like writing little books, like what right? a, what a turnaround.
2: Like I mean, grandmothers run up to hug Snoop, you know? Yeah. He's Uncle Snoop now. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. It is, so is fu- amazing.
1: Yeah. it is so funny. Like, yeah, for sure. So, Dazzle, what? Yeah, he's just harmless, <laughs> harmless little guy. <laughs> like, that's uh, everybody so laid loves back, Snoop, man.
2: Yeah, everybody loves Snoop, man. And and, 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 like I said, it all dates back to the Chronic album. Yep. You know who would have thought? Who would have thought? Like, thirty years later, look where everybody's at now. Well,
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's the equivalent, the rock equivalent of like Metallica walking around with like short hair now, like d- looking yeah. like dad. They that's that's that equivalent. Like, you know, they you know they just got older. They're poorly, but they went through their rebellious phase, as you said. Uh, they led a charge of that for an era, and that's where we're at. So,
2: yeah, good. I, uh, good. like I said, I, I much respect, man. I, I don't think this album gets enough flowers it should get all the flowers all of them because it's it's a bonafide classic it should go in a smithsonian somewhere
1: right for sure uh but yeah so david that, that'll do us for today with this one um in a, in a few weeks you'll be back and on that episode we're mm-hmm. going to say you're done but you're not done so mm-hmm. for those who hear that one think he's done he's not he'll be back towards the very end of the summer but for now uh until a couple weeks uh david where can people keep up with you
2: well they can look me up on social media um you can look me up on my facebook page just type in my name david banks Uh, you can look at me on ig as the kids call it instagram at aquarius made 80 i am there um you know just i post stuff here and there and you know i'm very active on there so yeah you can look me up on there
1: Excellent. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work on whysoblue.com. Monday, Scott, Aaron, and I have one of the biggest weeks of Summer of 93 at 30. As we discuss, Cliffhanger, Made in America, Super Mario Brothers, The Movie, and Menace to Society. So you won't want to miss that at all. This was like a good preemptive one going into Menace, because uh, a lot of topics I've already recorded yeah. that one um, come up there, so that's cool. Um, and you brought up deep cover, we brought up that in the in that episode as well. Oh, so. did it? Yes. Uh,
2: make, make make note that that's the OG Super Mario Brothers.
1: It is. It is the <laughs> I, I yeah, and we have quite the conversation about it. Nah. So All right, uh, but all that and more is the summer of '93 at thirty. Continue.